Peace, you're on Science vs. Spook. We're going to dive right in. The title of this episode is Who's Going to Buy BET? So the players involved, you know, you're very familiar with. A couple you may not be. But, you know, you have Tyler Perry, Byron Allen, of course, who owns the Weather Channel, The Grill, and has been buying up stuff, building a media conglomerate, including TV stations. You have Urban One, of course, the owner of the largest radio network in the United States that focuses on Black America, the owner of TV One, and they own Bossa, Hip Hop Wire, Madame Noir, News One. They have a sizable, you know, digital platform. They recently announced that they are in the mix and interested in buying BT. That's new information that's not really out there. I believe they came in a bit late. So Revolt and Diddy, Diddy mentioned on Twitter and kind of went public that he's interested in buying BET. And then there's Group Black. So Richard Lou Dennis uh, purchased Essence and him and his partner are building a company focused on capturing more advertising dollars, you know, and they want to anchor this on essence, the asset that Richard Lou Dennis owns. And so it's more like a rep firm because nobody's really reading magazines anymore. Of course, you have the Essence Festival that is still very strong and competitive in the marketplace. And of course, you have Essence.com. But in terms of the size of business that they want to build, they don't really have the media assets to support, you know, the type of advertising that they want to generate. I'm talking, you know, a half a billion dollars a year, it it seems like at least. And so they've been hiring and they're looking for assets to buy. This is Group Black. And in the Wall Street Journal, they were saying that Group Black was interested in buying Vice. And, you know, it's a good thing they didn't go forward with that transaction. Vice filed for bankruptcy and, you know, they probably missed an egg on that deal because the environment in digital media, in media and advertising in general is so sour. If you buy something, you better be making sure that you buy, of course, the right thing. And, and you know, by the looks of it, if they bought Vice at that time, most likely they wouldn't have got, you know, a really attractive price. So let's go through the list again. Tyler Perry, Byron Allen, Urban One, Revolt and Diddy and Group Black. So the price that Viacom wants for BET is $3 billion or, you know, 10 times EBITDA or let's call it adjusted profit, profit with some adjustments on it. So adjustments such as taxes and other items. So why would Viacom sell BET? You know, this is the crown jewel in black media. You know, Bob Johnson, who had the vision to say, hey, there's cable television, but why isn't there programming specifically for the sizable black American audience? And of course, he invested $15,000 and of course, eventually sold BET to Viacom for about $2.7 billion. And he cashed out on that deal, I believe, personally, about $1.7 billion was his take. So 
you know, why would Viacom sell BT? Let's look at the the industry and macroeconomic context. So one is the first thing I would start is Disney. Okay, Disney is forty billion dollars in debt. Okay, and they want to sell assets. Okay, so Disney underneath Disney, which is like the top of the top in the in the media business. They are considering selling assets like ABC, right? ESPN is on the table. Hulu is on the table. So if Disney is trying to accomplish some financial engineering where there is an industry downturn, you know, that has, of course, broader implications because this is like the Bentley or Ferrari media company. They have a great brand name. They got a streaming service. They got great intellectual property. They got a great, you know, library and they need to start selling stuff. The advertising market in general is declining, right? And media companies across the board are suffering. So if Disney is putting on a fire sale and trying to sell stuff and there is a industry-wide recession, That's telling you that if the media and advertising industry has a cold or a flu, the black media is going to have long COVID, not regular COVID, but long COVID. Okay. The black media is going to be on some type of tubes, getting some type of oxygen support. If Disney, complex media, BuzzFeed, Vice Media filing for bankruptcy, you know, big ag tech companies such as MediaMath, who used to be a star player in the advertising technology business, they filed for bankruptcy. So if these broader industry companies with brand names, if they are suffering bankruptcy, I need to sell a whole bunch of stuff. And even Viacom itself, I need to sell BET. I need to to get some cash. I need to do some financial engineering, potentially to prepare for a bigger downturn, right? Then the black media companies, they're not, you know, I I saw some commentary on media like, hey, you know, man, I wish, you know, these, this seemed like it's such a great opportunity and BET, it could be in your head, in your head, BET is a great brand or this is a great brand. But when you look at all the different factors, these companies like, man, I'll let some of this stuff go because under the hood, it really comes down to the money. Right. How much cash can it produce? How much cash do I need and how much debt do I have? Right. So another factor in terms of the the industry context or the macroeconomic context are interest rates. So, you know, if the Fed keeps raising interest rates, if I need some capital to do something, I have to pay a higher interest rate to borrow that money. Okay. So if the cost of the money is higher, I have to service my debt. I don't have the flexibility to go to a bank and maybe get some financing at 2%, 5%. I may have to pay 9 or 11%. I may have to pay 15%. So the interest rate environment is not favorable for media companies who mostly have a good deal of debt on the books. And of course, I remember Disney has about 40 billion. So you look at, you know, Viacom is stacked 
with debt too. Just across the board, it's just a media thing. Media companies, they finance movies and content and and even Netflix, you know, they have billions of dollars of, of debt, but the media business is a big piece of it is a debt business. So as the industry declines, that doesn't mean the debt declines, right? The debt, they're, they're making these debt and interest payments like a credit card. And if they can't get new debt at a good price, that's challenging for the whole industry. And of course, there are exceptions and unicorns and, and kind of lottery tickets out there. But for the most part, the media and advertising business is rapidly declining behind the scenes. So no company is going to come out and say, you know, hey, we're struggling. Things look really bad. No company's really going to do that. So they're not going to show all their cards, right? However, if you just listen to Bob Iger and you listen to Disney, you, you don't need to. I don't care what you say. I just see that you're trying to sell stuff, right? I see that, you know, you people are are selling stuff. And, you know, why are you, why are you doing this? And it is pointing to, you know, there's a lot of challenges for ad supported media business. And another factor I want to highlight is just the cable business. People are moving off of cable, spending more time on social media, spending more time on streaming services. So the, the advertising money is being sucked out of the, the cable business. And of course, What's adding more pressure is that the cable business wants a lot of them want to be streaming services because they see people are going more to streaming. So to build a streaming service, that costs money. So you can see, you know, the the complexity of you can get a sense of the complexity of the of the tough situation that media companies are in across the board. So, you know, I want to highlight like, hey, I thought the cable business was pretty good. Somebody could say that. But let's look at Oprah. Okay, Oprah sold the majority of her stake and own for only $36 million. So Oprah doesn't own, it's called own, but Oprah doesn't own the majority of own. And she sold her last shares of the majority of the of her ownership for $36 million. So this this wasn't like a billion dollar cash out for Oprah when she sold the the 80, 90% back over to discovery. So if it's tough for a brand like Oprah, who has a built-in audience where, you know, it looks like, let me get out of this stuff. It's not what I thought it was. It's not working out as I thought it was. This is a really competitive and saturated business. Let me get the fuck out of this business. And if Oprah's trying to get out the business and she has her own channel and she sells, you know, her last majority for $36 million, a sizable chunk, it's telling you that this cable business is very, very tough. So anybody thinking that they're going to come by BET and make all this money, the Vegas odds calculators, the people who calculate the probabilities most likely they're going to bet against that because the cable business is not only declining, it's expected to decline in the future. There's going to, there's expected to be more competition. There's expected to be more streaming. So we talked about the debt and some of the industry and macroeconomic factors, but let's, let's look at it. So we're going to get into how the buyer would likely structure 
the purchase of BET. And if the buyer was, so the price is, let's call it, you know, 2.7 billion. So if the buyer had, let's just call it 2.7 billion of debt on a $3 billion purchase, and they were paying a 9% interest on that debt, you know, that would be $243 million going out the door a year. Okay, so if someone is going to finance this purchase, and of course you saw Elon Musk, although he's the richest man in the world, he, in terms of what's known, he can't just go buy Twitter, right? He has to use Morgan Stanley and banks and investors because he may be the the wealthiest person in the world, but he's not liquid. You know, these these people are not going to have $40 billion of cash just sitting around. And I'm talking about the richest man in the world. So it's tied up, of course, in stock and in different businesses. So the person doesn't have it and the person may not want to use all of their own money. And so if Elon Musk is rounding up investors and banks to borrow money to buy Twitter, right? A much bigger price than BET. But if the richest man in the world has to go to banks and investors, you better believe Tyler Perry, Byron Allen, Diddy, Group Black, that these participants in the BT buying process, they got to go get the money too. And, and generally how it's likely to work is the buyer may be required to put 10% down and then they bring in 90% of debt. So essentially they're going to buy BET based on borrowing against BET. So it would be a leverage acquisition where, you know, it could be Bank of America, it could be JP Morgan Chase, it could be private equity firms, it could be a mix of different people who say, I want to get paid that nice dividend on this debt and I'm confident enough where I'm going to lend the money so you can buy BET and you just pay me the interest rate. You know, you pay me that debt back and maybe put some put some extra juice on it. And so the investors are going to want to make money off the debt underneath the acquisition. And so theoretically, it could be possible to buy BET if you had $300 million. So how could you buy a $3 billion company and you only have 300 million cash? Because of course, like I mentioned, you're going to go and borrow that money from, from a consortium of banks. So no bank is going to give you all the money. The risk is going to be sliced up where the bank only has so much exposure because there could be 10 different, five or 10 different lenders in the capital stack are investors, debt investors in the capital stack, well, debt and equity investors. So, you know, most likely Tyler Perry, Byron Allen, Diddy, or Group Black, who Group Black does have a private equity partner that has about 100 billion under management. And so my understanding is Group Black is out there bidding for stuff like Sports Illustrated. Some of the insiders that I talk to say that they're pretty for real and they are out there submitting term sheets trying to, to buy stuff. 
so the the structure of the acquisition, of course, most likely is going to be majority debt and a slice of cash up front of the total acquisition price. And you know, it was reported that Tyler Perry he doesn't want to overpay, so Viacom needs to sell this thing close to three billion because of their debt ratios. You know, essentially, once the taxes are are taken out, and now they don't get the profits from BET, their debt ratios, you know, could be unfavorable if they don't get a big enough price for a BET. So there's a certain level that they that they have to get because of how much debt they carry. Okay, and investors won't like it if you know the after the transaction, right? Your your debt ratios deteriorate, right? This should be investors will want to hear that your debt your debt ratios to your to your EBITDA or to your profit it should get better after this acquisition, not worse. So this could be a challenge where potentially you may not be able to get a deal with BET because again, the debt structure underneath Viacom and what the Viacom investors, of course, are going to be looking for in a transaction. So if Tyler Perry doesn't want to pay the level that Viacom needs because of their own situation, their own debt, it could make it mathematically challenging where possibly no deal is there for a smart and disciplined buyer. I want this thing, but I'm not going to chase it and buy it and take this loan money and you know potentially be upside down. So there's going to be a smart and disciplined buyer that cannot get to the Viacom price because Viacom, of course, they have to get to a a certain level to their debt ratios. So, you know, if Tyler Perry, who owns 25% of BET Plus, the streaming service, if he's kind of taking a step back because of the pricing, okay, the next question is who could chase it. So the buyer, if it's kind of arbitrary where the seller doesn't have a lot of flexibility because of their existing debt, then you would likely need somebody to chase it, to pay a little bit more or a lot more than what it's worth. And so when I think about who would chase it, you know, it would be somebody who has a little bit more ego. Tyler Perry never struck me as I want to be the big man. You know, I want to be the big shot. You know, I got to own everything. So if somebody's thinking like that, right, they're moving on bias. They're not moving on science. So if somebody's like, you know, I got to be the big mogul. I got to be the big thing. I got to, I got to roll all this stuff up. You know, that person, right, could be the one to get BET. And I don't think Tyler Perry is that person. You know, when you look at his success, you know, it's been very kind of incremental. You know, it's been very disciplined. He's made smart steps at each level of the ladder going up to where he is today. And so it's very consistent. 
for it to come out in the press that he's having trouble getting to where Viacom wants him to be to acquire BT. And of course, their BT and Tyler Perry already they already have synergies, right? They already have partners. But of course, it's all going to come down to price. So if Tyler Perry is not going to get there on price, the person that I believe could get there because of these other considerations, I want to be the big person. You know, I want to be the man. This person may have a bigger ego. I think that person is Byron Allen. And so the insiders that I have talked to, I've talked to multiple insiders who are involved in this process. Okay. And who have knowledge about this process. In my estimate is I would put Byron Allen number one. And, you know, a, a big factor of that, of course, is just we look at what has this person been doing, right? So one is it was reported in 2021 by Reuters that Byron Allen, it was confirmed that he raised $10 billion of financing to buy Tegna, a regional TV station operator. So his financing went as follows in terms of what he had committed, meaning at this point, you can't really fake it if it's coming out in Reuters in terms of who your partners are. Byron Allen's financing, I'm going to read it directly from Reuters. The financing is backed by a consortium of 14 banks and 10 investors, including Ares Management Corp, Fortress Investment Group, Oak Tree Capital Management, and Michael Milken's family office, one of the sources said. So when you look at who has been buying stuff, who's been trying to buy stuff, and who has a big confirmed partner wallet, meaning that they're not using their own money, but they got partners, banks and other investors who are already familiar with big deals, already working with them on big deals. Who's ready to go and shoot the gun on a big deal like BET? And of course, Byron Allen was already taken seriously for a $10 billion deal with these partners. So he, his bankers and himself, they're already connected to people, are investors who are willing to do a big deal with him. So I think that's important. And it's important that in terms of deal making, buying stuff, Byron Allen has been consistently over the past, you know, five years or so, right? He's been very active. Somebody who's going to buy BET, they may be willing to pay a little bit more than everybody else. They may have a little bit more ego, but also it could be somebody who's very seasoned in terms of recent seasoning where they already have been working with the banks on other stuff, on other big stuff. So if I had to bet on who's going to get BET based on talking to various folks and kind of my own knowledge and research... I think it's going to be Byron Allen is going to get this thing. And I, I t- when I talked to some of the insiders in the industry, one of the things I got was one executive who's involved in this process. Of course, he told me, say he wanted to be very sensitive and respect the NDAs that were signed and the confidentiality. Of course, he wanted to, to respect that. And, but he did say that Group Black, Like if there was one participant 
that he he thinks is is not very serious that they couldn't get there is he mentioned group black and when you think about who the investors and the lenders are more likely to back right it's going to be a platform that would have a attachment rate that would be very attractive and what i mean by attachment rate is that they have an existing platform that if you plug it in, if you plug BT in, right, one plus one equals three, okay, or five. So essentially, if you combine BET with someone already in the cable business, right, and Group Black is more of digital and ad rep firm. Right. So they don't they're not really into the the cable game. Right. Like Urban One is or, or Byron Allen are to a lesser extent Diddy and Revolt. Byron Allen, of course, owns the, the weather channel. But if you're presenting to investors and banks. Right. And you need the map to work out where if you combine this stuff together, it's going to make a lot more money than asset one and asset two, right? The the alpha are the, the real value in this deal is if we combine this stuff together. So if you need to present that to the investors in the banks, right, you need to show, right, you have existing infrastructure where BET is very complementary. The digital business is not sizable, BET or anywhere else relative to the cable business. So with Group Black, yes, you have Essence.com, but the size of that business, it could undermine the attachment value. Okay, so I think who would score the highest on the attachment value, I think would be Urban One. So, of course, they have TV One. I believe they just launched a new channel. They have the radio. They have the digital. They have a mature infrastructure and advertising scale where it seems like if you combine the stuff together, Urban One plus BET, and when I say BET, I'm also talking about BET plus and VH1, BET Media Group, that if you combine this stuff together, you become a political force. And so I believe that the way to extract the most money out of the advertising business, and I believe this for over a decade, is the black media companies, the black assets need to be put together where you walk, just like politics, you walk into the negotiation table with the big advertising holding companies, not as, hey, we're all in these different corners, we're all fragmented, we're not working together, and you know, I'm asking or begging for money. Okay. I'm trying to prove to you that the black audience is valuable work with me, but there's like 10 or 15 other people fighting for the scraps. And so what the advertising agencies and the brands will do is they're going to split it up like 20 different ways. They're going to play people against each other. And then they're going to low ball because they have other options. They're going to low ball the pricing. So the black media companies, this is documented in a banker an investment banker who actually worked at the bank that actually did Bob Johnson's deal with Viacom, Leroy Kim at Allen & Company, the most prestigious media bank. He told me 
that in the black media space, the CPMs or the advertising, you're going to get less for the same thing. And you need to factor that into the, the valuations. But essentially, if the black media companies are going to get lowballed and get lower advertising, then the same person, same income, same gender, same situation, same zip code. If I go to a black media company, if the agencies are going to pay less than what they pay over at mainstream channels for the same thing, right? The black media space is more like subprime. Okay. And you're getting lower prices and you're getting even lower prices because there's so many different options out there. However, the black media space has never rationalized itself where it could have a stronger negotiation position at the table with advertisers. And so there was always an opportunity for the black media companies to come together either in a one ownership stack or some type of affiliation partnership. And obviously it would be very difficult in terms of egos and different strategies, but ideal situation would be you would have the dominant players working together, going into the advertising holding companies. Not, I'm not even dealing with these little agencies. I'm going to the holding companies. Okay. And I'm saying I am the market. So there's never been a black media response to something of the size of Facebook, of Google, right? Something that has a lot of scale. So the black media space has been subscale. However, if the black media companies were put together and Urban One and BET, it probably gets you halfway there, where essentially you could go into these rooms and it becomes more of a political thing. Right. You have to really work with me if you're talking about you're about all this diversity stuff and, you know, you care about black people like it becomes more political, the bigger black media skills up. And so within that context, I would like to see Urban One and BET together. But I do think Byron Allen, because of his, you know, M&A activity and just the route, the path that he's been going. Sometimes, you know, you see a stock that's going up and up and up and up, right? It's easier to bet that it's going to keep on going up again. And just from an acquisition standpoint, Byron Allen does seem to have the pieces in place and the ego and the chase, who's willing to possibly chase it and, and pay the price that Viacom wants or pay a higher price than everybody else, I think Byron Allen is that guy. So, you know, I want to leave on the note of if you scale up black media where it's less competing and fighting and it's more of a bigger media actor that's negotiating the, the advertising at the holding company level, right? You want to get political with this. You don't want to just be competing like, you know, oh, you know, buy black, black audience is important because, you know, the black media companies, they had a thing after George Floyd where they saw this rush of money, right? George Floyd died. And the first thing I said is, oh, no, I started seeing all these press releases and these companies are talking about all this stuff. 
but it's going to go to the wrong people for the wrong reasons that the George Floyd money was going to be maldistributed to people. It's going to go to initiatives that are not really in the paint for black Americans. That's not really working on impact. It's going to go to more corporate professional entities, right? that are just looking to make money. They're black. They just want to make money. And of course, Somebody could look at that as a proxy, like, hey, that's helpful, right? However, the money was going to go to corporations, you know, BLM and, and stuff like that. But with all that Russia money, hundreds of millions of dollars going out in the black media industry, that money is gone. What they call George Floyd money in the black media industry, that money has dried up. And so it's going to be important for the survivors. You're really talking about survival now. To survive, if the black media companies can't, black-led and black-owned, if the black media companies who are subscale, if they can't learn how, they can't figure out how to scale up together, work together, and go into that room together, then you're just going to see a race to the bottom. Most likely, the survivors are going to have more of a scale and political argument. And if you were to combine a BET with an urban one, I think you have a bigger political position, a a monopolistic political positioning in the, the advertising space. But let's take a step back. What does black media really offer to black Americans? You know, should black media companies just be going out there, raising money? They care about the community. You know, these advertising companies don't care about black people. But do you care about black people? Okay. So when I look back and look at the black media space over the last two decades, and I ask myself, what does the black media company believe in? I know the black media companies you know, they support the Democratic Party. Democratic Party, you know, greases the wheels and, and distributes money to black media companies, at elections. And the black media, a lot of the black media organizations have been an asset for advertisers and for the Democratic Party. Okay. Providing some content could be positive, potentially, but if the black media companies are going out there making hundreds of millions of dollars in the name of black people and saying we're all about black and black this and black that. But where are they on issues such as reparations? Like, why don't you see black media companies, right? If they're making all this money, are generating this revenue in the name of black people, where are they in the field, right? And the minimum you can do is the black media organization can acts itself, how can we be more helpful outside of making money? Okay. And so I don't care about the black media company scaling up to get more money. If the black media organization is not going to get in the paint on behalf of black people and become more of a helpful political and economic force 
to get out of the comfort zones and actually work on something constructive together, work on something transformative that doesn't involve making money. Okay. So, you know, I want to clarify that, oh, you know, are you calling for a more mothership black media entity that could dominate the advertising? Yes, I would like to see that, but only if it's not going to just be used to make money. You know, I would like to see it where they can make more money and commit more to black Americans. And one area I believe that the black media can play an important piece is reparations. And of course, on Moguldom, moguldom moguldom.com, we have produced more articles, more content about reparations since 2018 than any other publication, okay, in the United States. We see our mission as helping fertilize the movement, meaning we want to use media to help fertilize something that's a lot bigger than us. It's not just about making money. Peace. Peace.